0: ministry mentorship episode 40 hello and welcome to this episode of ministry mentorship this is jacob tapia and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministry Today we are celebrating our 40th podcast, and this is quite a milestone uh, from when we first started our ministry about a year ago, and uh, it's just been a tremendous honor to be able to serve our young ministers and uh, pastors, district leaders, and I appreciate the opportunity that I've been given uh, to minister in this medium. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, uh, would you consider leaving us a comment on our Facebook page. You can go to ministrymentorship.com and look in the upper right-hand corner where we have all of our social media links. Uh, We'd love to hear from you and just hear how this ministry has uh, blessed you and and been a help in your ministry. I just want to say thank you to those of you that have already given us uh, questions and comments. Uh, We really appreciate the input, and I'd also like to thank J.L. Paez, for leaving a review on our iTunes podcast. That's, that's so helpful. Before we get started with our interview, I'd like to let you know about our next Ministry Mentorship Live Bible Study taking place on the 29th of this month at 8 p.m. Central Time. Our special guest this month is Lori Wagner from AffirmingFaith.com, and she's going to be speaking on the subject uh, creative, cultivating, climate-preparing, Conflict Conquering Prayer, and this is going to be an awesome, awesome Bible study that I don't want you to miss it. Uh, You can check it out at ministrymentorshipcom backslash Bible-study, and you can find more information there. In this interview, we're going to be speaking with Pastor Steve Waldron. Pastor Waldron has over 25 years of ministry experience and was an instructor at Indiana Bible College for many years. He is now doing a great work pastoring in Albany, Georgia, and he has a passion for truth, a love for souls, and I know this interview is going to be a blessing to you. Let's join the conversation now. We're thankful to have Steve Waldron with us today, and he is uh, pastoring in Albany, Georgia. Him and his wife, Sandy, have been pastoring uh, and ministering, and he's been in full-time ministry for 29 years. Brother Waldron, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: My pleasure, Brother Tapia.
0: Now, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing right now in your, in your pastoring uh, endeavors.
1: Well, we've uh, got a church. It's kind of what I would call a turnaround church. Um, it is a church that before we got here had let down in a lot of areas. It was uh You know, I've told my wife many times and some others that it was the most divided church, whether doctrinally and many other areas of any church I'd ever seen. And um, before that, I was full-time. I was dean of theology at Indiana Bible College, but just really was feeling the tug to get back out in ministry. And Brother uh, Wheatley, our superintendent, and Brother Wood, the presbyter here, really felt like this church needed a lot of uh, Prayer, teaching, and the power of the Holy Ghost and that God could do some good things here. So uh, they elected us pastor. It was a real step of faith. It had about 40 people. And uh, we've been here about four and a half years. And we've seen somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 receive the Holy Ghost and get baptized in Jesus' name since we've been here. And um, A couple years ago, the Lord opened the door for us to open a daughter work in a neighboring city as well. Uh, Blakely, Georgia, and that's done very well. Also, in times past, it's run upwards of 50 to 60 people after starting with just one person, and uh, so we just, you know, we try to believe in the apostolic doctrine, practice the apostolic doctrine, pray, and believe God for great things, and he fulfills his word. We've uh, Currently at the main church, we're probably around 120, 130, something like that. And uh, a lot of new converts. This has been a real year of revival, which I guess it has been for many places uh, around. So in pastoring, that's where I'm at. I also teach adjunct at Indiana Bible College. I teach a couple courses on science and the Bible, and then a couple courses on Christian evidences as well.
0: Well, you know I, I think that's so exciting, and I'm, I'm hearing uh, I love to read a lot of the Facebook posts of people talking about you know what's happened in their churches on on their Sundays, and I think it's just really exciting some of the things that are happening. so that that's great to hear yes, what, what's happening there in, in Albany. Now tell us a little bit of your story.
1: Well, kind of unique. I did not grow up in Pentecost. Uh, just how God would have it. I grew up next door to the Knight family, Uh, Brother Don Knight, who started a church in Decatur, Georgia, still going strong for the Lord in his 80s. has a great church, four or five hundred there in Stone Mountain. But, uh, you know, that was really my first exposure to Pentecost, was I'd ride to school with them, his kids, and they would pray in the living room beforehand. And uh, then across the street, Uh, Sister Voga, Oscar Voga's widow, had moved in across the streets. Again, as just uh, really an unsaved young man, I'm just going over there and listening to Sister Voga tell me about the rapture, (laughs) Jesus coming, and all of this. Well, then, totally disassociated from all of this, um, I'm just working at a catfish restaurant, working my way. I was in high school at the time, and Young lady walked in that really struck me, and uh, uh, I asked her out on a date. She said, no. She said, you know, don't date people that don't go to church, but you can come to church with me. Huh. I was like, okay. You know, what?" I kind of had it in my mind. I guess God has been dealing with me. So I went to a church, and, and kind of, it was unbeknownst to me. It was the same kind of church as Brother Knight and Sister Logan. This young lady went to another church. end up, I, I get the Holy Ghost, get baptized in Jesus' name, and and married the young lady, that was Sister Walton, that invited me to church. And, uh, you know, I had kind of a unique childhood. My, my dad was kind of high up in general murders in a certain sense. And uh, of that, he was head of the UAW and uh, that kind of thing. And then my family very much uh, valued education. Uh, my sister was... Uh, she got an MBA, and back in the day, that wasn't as common as it is now, and became an executive at Unisys, just a few people from the top. My other sister, um, and I hope she doesn't hear this, but, you know, she just maybe didn't reach the standards of some of the other things. she got her master's degree in nuclear engineering at Georgia Tech,
0: and mm.
1: she became a nuclear engineer. And uh, then my brother... He's a unique individual, all himself. He was considered to be, and it's considered to be, believe it or not, a genius. He is 60, but he's been on, like, Conversations with the Great Minds, and the Discovery Channel has done a couple of specials just on his work. He's a best-selling author. He's worked for Walt Disney, and wow. he's got a movie in the works with Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro and uh, hot producer in Hollywood David o. Russell. And that was kind of another unique facet uh the happy of my childhood is like he, you know, you know eleven years older, he started this large convention uh for fantasy and comic books and science fiction and all of it. And so just as a young man, I'm like meeting Stan Lee who's, huh. you know, creator of Marvel Comics and Spider-Man and all of that. I had all the Spider-Men starting in Amazing Fantasy 15, all up to 140 and uh, Fantastic Four Daredevil, Iron Man Little you know, Thor, Hulk and all that. And, you know, I meet George Lucas of Star Wars he's coming to the convention, you know and I didn't you know, I'm some 13, 14 year old kid, you know. Wow. I had no idea my brothers kind of moving in these circles uh, of people from Star Trek and uh, Ray Harryhausen, who's considered to be the founder of special effects. So anyhow, just had a unique upbringing. And so I'm the first Pentecostal in the family. Come home, tell mom, she is not happy. Dad is not happy and and, uh, all this and uh, forbade me from going to Bible school and all that. So I ended up, I just took a leap of faith and said, you know, we really feel like God wants us to go. Brother Grisham, who was my pastor at that time, uh, felt uh, the same thing, got us in JCM and uh, the Lord just really helped my wife and I and uh, provided for us. And my family eventually came around. My dad is apostolic now. Mom passed away 20 years ago none of the rest of my family is, but, uh, that's, uh, kind of where I came from. That's my background. It's just a whole potpourri from brother Knight to sister Boga to uh, you know, just being raised kind of unique and, um, just in a little sense. I know everybody's got their own unique story. God's got his own special fingerprint on all of us. And, uh, that type of thing, Dad. He would take us. He made sure we went to all 48 states, and Mexico multiple times, and Canada multiple times. He just really wanted us to see this uh, North America and this great country of ours. And I say all 48 states, contiguous states. So
0: uh, now, now uh, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Sister Voga, and what a what a tremendous lady of God, and her and her husband were pioneers uh, in the early Pentecostal movement. And What what was that like, connecting with someone on that scale?
1: I'll tell you, even as an unsaved young man, um, it commanded attention. I never doubted a word she was telling me. You know, I would walk in, and she'd say, hey, Steve, how are you doing today? She was very enthusiastic, very small lady, and I'd say, you know, good sister. Roger. She'd say, Steve, have you got saved? Have you got the Holy Ghost yet? Been no, Sister Rosa. I'm really thinking about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I would just sit there and for all 30, 40 minutes at a time. She'd say, Well, Jesus is coming. You can see it all around. And she would have some unique insight. She'd say, Steve, I hate to tell you this, but the majority of the body of Christ is gonna come from overseas. She said, They're they're committed, they're sold out. I don't see us here in America, so okay. Mm, and all this. Wow. And, uh, I was like, well, <laughs> wow. okay, Sister Vogan. So then when I got in, you know, she was very happy and, and then once again, it just, she was always full of encouragement. We went to the same church as well and, uh, you know, she would dance. You couldn't hand her the microphone to testify. She would just begin preaching, <laughs> so to speak, and dancing and, and uh, the place would basically just go up and smoke uh, maybe for the whole service or maybe just five or ten minutes. But she was very passionate, very looking for the soon coming of Jesus Christ.
0: that is incredible. That is really a neat, neat experience. Now, Brother Waldron, talk a little bit about how you first got started in ministry.
1: Well, uh, you know, I felt called to preach, and that was a unique thing in and of itself. You know, Dad, uh, big believer in education, Mom and Dad, so they basically said, now, Whatever college you choose, we will send you there. We'll pay for it. Free ride. Mm-hmm. Harvard. Wherever you want to go. So all these things are in my mind. I really wanted to get into pre-law. I'd already been in a couple of semesters at secular college. and um, I was like, okay. Um, and so I, I, the only clarity I ever got when I prayed about any of it was to go into the ministry. So in, uh, in those days, I say that I'm only 48, but you just you kind of abandoned everything and, and just went full-time in the ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we left everything with our pastor's blessing and we went to Jackson College of Ministries with, for the craft and just... I was there at a very good time. Daryl Johns was there. David Bedard was my dean of theology. David Reaver was there. Jonathan Urshan was there. Alan Oggs was the vice president of the college. So, again, just as a, almost as a new Christian, I got this tremendous potpourri of ministry. And, of course, Brother Kraft would bring in just the, the Brother tinneys the Brother Cole, the, just meant Brother Killboy was often there in ministry. So it really impacted me deeply. And uh, Sidney Poe came while I was there, and he helped me immensely as well in the ministry. And just finding what I was supposed to do in ministry was uh, just like, okay, God, I'm open. I'll do whatever. And I remember there were two things I never felt I would do. One was be a youth minister. The second one would be um, the whole missionary. So, mm-hmm. I get out of college, and I have some opportunities, but we really just felt to go back to our home church, and by that time, Brother Sam Latta was our pastor. And what an incredible missionary he is. That was a god thing. I'll just oh. that and, uh-huh. you, know, Because he's done, he's seen so much and done so much around the world, uh, international evangelists and things. So, you know, he says, well, I want you to be the youth minister. I said, well, I, man, you know, a little I love you. I said, "But I just never felt to do it. He said, look, they're sold. They need Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> he said, you're called to preach. <laughs> so I did that for three and a half years. And then it was his uh, assistant for three and a half years. And then there was a neighboring county that uh, was at the time the third fastest growing county in the United States, Henry County, Georgia. And uh, I was 28, and you know he was again with his blessings. He wanted us to start a church there. There had not been, again, this is a very long story, but I'm going to shorten it. But there had not really been an apostolic church there since uh, 1928 hmm. when Brother Montgomery, who started Tupelo Children's Mansion, went there, and and I'm starting starting to cry. He was savagely down by the Yellow River by uh, 12 denominational church people. Mm. He was beaten with a razor strap, and uh, he was uh, my former superintendent, Brother uh, Benny Cole. It was his father-in-law. Brother McCumber, was his father-in-law, and he would tell me, even as an old man, that when he had to give him baths and stuff, it was an old man, he said his back was like spaghetti because of that beating and reading. I've got copies of his book that he wrote where he talks about the beating, and uh, a lady was at our church, an elderly little lady in her 80s, she's probably maybe in her 90s now, that uh, it was at her house, her mom's house, is where he was basing out and preaching the gospel. So at 28, felt very privileged and very... uh, humbled to go try to start a church there wow. and we were there uh almost 12 years till just a uh, really a chance encounter with brother Mooney again that was another god thing i get a call from brother french saying, hey would you like to fly we would like you to come to ibc every week and, and teach our students and uh, so that's kind of how it how i got started in ministry at uh just tried to follow God. I also, I met painlessly while I was working for the latter, I also was in Christian book selling for about 12 years, and so learned a lot about Christian books and Christian learning and other things, other resources that were out there. And, uh, you know, when that began a library of, I, I don't know how many books, so I've been told, people have counted my library, that I have maybe 17,000 books something like that. Oh, wow. And, uh, which is not a lot to some mm. many people. I mean, many more books, yeah. but, um, you know, and also, you know, through that, I got to meet various people, you know, meet Carmen and meet, uh, Hank Hanegraaff, who was against us so bad, and John McCarthy and Johnny Cash. Jars at Clay before they were somebody, and, uh, Different, relying on Harris, uh, just in being in the Christian book selling industry. Uh, ben Carson, he's been in the news lately. I'm able to meet him, he's our autographs in our store. Tony Evans with the Urban Alternative, this type thing. So it opened up another realm as well to me. Still. Continued learning after Bible school, so to speak. We could never have enough learning. That's, never quit learning. I try to learn new things every day older I get, the more I learn I don't know anything.
0: Brother Waldron, you've served as a as a Bible college instructor and and just hearing you talk and and hearing you know the passion that you have for for education, for teaching, for learning. Talk a little bit about that and and why you love teaching so much.
1: I think that was really the concept was put in me by brother Kraft, down in Jackson. And he would mention this often. He would say, well, I can do so much in ministry. But he said if somehow, through the help of the Holy Ghost, and he had little country sayings, you know, some things are better felt than told, and some things are better caught than taught, you know, and all this. But he would say if somehow we can feed the apostolic doctrine into another generation, then you're multiplying the truth that concept always stuck with me. And I think it's a very biblical concept of Paul, Timothy, Titus, the others. And uh, I think in a certain sense, it was just a a God-given giftedness to do this. I've I've been privileged to teach at our Bible school in Scotland, and I've done Excel, I've done the... uh, Text here has done the, uh, I can't recall the name of it right now. It's been a few years, but the uh, purpose, and he's done that sure. at two or three different churches. And then uh, at Indiana Bible College, he taught about 20 different subjects at in Indiana Bible College, and I don't know, 30 something plus uh, between them all. And I just, I really. If we can give shortcuts, now not shortcuts, there's no shortcuts, and then to understand this, but you can share with people some mistakes you've made or give them some resources or learning that you've got, then maybe at 25, some of these folks will have something you may not have gotten until you were 35. Hmm. And that's one of the couple passions we had, and I still teach at IBC. At uh, IBC is first of all never want anybody to doubt the word of God. You know everything we Amen. do, like Christian evidentialism, one and two, times in the Bible, is to show how the word of God is absolutely true. It's one hundred percent true. We don't want them not only fighting devils and starting churches and storefronts, which we've done, start church in our home and all this Henry County, but we want them to have resources to know that. Look, the Word, you can depend on 100%. So that's a passion. The second passion is, is to tell people what we seem like we forgot, or, or people did not tell us when we were in Bible college. Almost ever as great as a Bible college experience as I had, and with Brother Bernard, Brother Reber, on and on and so forth, Brother Johns, Brother Urshan, uh, you know, you, you just go down the list. It'd be odd, difficult to have a better Bible school experience. I, I would say without fail, everybody I went to school with, whether it was uh, Scott Sistram, Scotty Slane, and Brost and you we know, all schooled again, others, that um, we only got about 50% of what we needed. You got out there on the field, about 50% of it's like, wow. Now, I know you can't teach for every contingency, but uh, I did feel like we could fill in the blanks just a little better, hmm. not knocking uh, my mom's college experience right, at all, right. just a progression. And uh, so that's two passions, that uh, to defend the truth of the Word of God 100%, whether it's you know, apologetics, whether it's... Jesus' saying baptism through the centuries whether it's one that's through the centuries or now with modern day scholarship or defending the Bible that you know you can believe a hundred percent on and so forth and then equipping the next generation as best as possible so when they, they get out there they can uh, really see God use them to turn the world right side up
0: amen and we need that we really do and and talk a little bit about you know this this the importance of, of doctrine. And, and this is something that you're obviously very passionate about passing this on to the next generation. You know, sometimes I think, you know, as young people, we can get caught up in the day to day preaching or teaching or, or just, you know, doing what we have to do in our local church. And sometimes maybe we, we forget the importance of of doctrine and how much it really does play a role in the apostolic faith. Talk to us a little bit about that and, and how you feel about about doctrine.
1: Well, you know, doctrine is how we're saved. It is uh, the application of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. God, man. And then proper lifestyle, proper understanding of the Word of God. Without proper doctrine, you have no salvation. They'll have no salvation experience and you'll have a salvation experience. And you don't have a salvation experience continuum as well. And so as Paul said, there are so many voices in the world, and none of them are without signification. So we're in the marketplace of ideas. I just wrote a little article called the Apostolic Weltanschauung, which Weltanschauung is German for worldview. It was kind of brought into vernacular in a big way by Søren Kierkegaard back in Danish philosophy in 1861. And that uh, When you compare the apostolic doctrine to every other worldview, and everybody's living by some type of worldview, whether it's popular culture, whether it's television, or social media, everyone's had a worldview, and it's usually this entire conglomeration of of life experiences and things, and nationalities, and individual family experiences and bits of wisdom and what we picked up because of their God-given personality, that every other world belief system, whether it's Hinduism, whether it's denominationalism, whether it's Islam, uh, is so inferior to apostolic doctrine, not only in the here and now, but in the hereafter. And really is God's perfect plan of salvation. It's uh, what he purposed in himself from the world's past. So I rejoice in Apostolic Doctrine. I, I try to be like Paul. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I think we've got that treasure in the field. What a man finds, he'll sell everything he's got and uh, you know, and buy that treasure. And it's like used to have J.P. Pugh come down and do round tables for the mm-hmm. ministers of the section and that type of thing. He had such a grasp on this, this uh, day we're living in and uh, how we would be uncoupled from the morons of the past. America's a young country as it is. Mm-hmm. 30, 40 years old and so we, we've got this. We're not real stable and then once we've been deconstructed, as Jackus Derrida said, you know, people talk about uh, um, neo postmodernism and all this. And really, we are far beyond postmodernism, and we have entered uh, poststructuralism, we've entered deconstructionism, which is where we're at, and then entering into neo-paganism, where people are open to things, people are open to new experiences. Right. And uh, so this is, in the U.S., a time of great, great revival. New York Times says over 10% of of, uh, all the inhabitants of New York City now identify themselves as Pentecostal. And uh, as Jenkins talks about in his uh, Pentecostalism in the uh, 1040 window, basically, um, I mean, it is a movement that is sweeping the world and so without doctrine, you know, you just have chaos going. Mm. The doctrine is what gets you saved. Doctrine will keep you saved. And the blessings of God follow doctrine. If you preach right thing, God will confirm his word with signs following. And so, uh, you know, don't be ashamed of the doctrine. See, the, the intimidation factor comes from the world mm. and says, you know, hide your hide your light under a bushel and all this, Brother you. Yeah. See. I've been exposed to the world just a little bit and to different people and mindsets in the world. My, my brother's uh, ultra, ultra liberal. you he just be amazed. At, and uh, rubbing shoulders with different people that you realize that they are empty and they do not have the answers. And they are just human beings. And so I feel sometimes as apostolic young people that we get intimidated by athletics we get intimidated by hollywood movies and all of this when in reality we've got something so far beyond that and we've got something Amen. that is transcultural and uh, speaks to the heart of everybody and so we don't need to be intimidated by these things these things are nothing they are they are just uh, really the course of this world they are being conformed to this world and Satan's little well, gee god of this world to keep people from rejoicing in this great thing called apostolic truth. And uh, I mean, it's just awesome, it's the greatest thing in all the universe. And so, Paul wrote about it, you know, in the first three chapters of Ephesians, other places, but convincing people of that is and keeping people in a mind of that, you know, dancing with the stars being absolutely not, you know, all of these type things. Uh, the latest movie. That means usually absolutely nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, God, you're doing eternal work when you do God's business. So doctrine is—I is, mean, it's really everything. It's God. If you don't have doctrine, then you're just you're back in denominationalism.
0: We'll get back to the interview in just a minute, but first, I want to make you aware of a series that we're offering at Ministry Mentorship by one of the most respected Bible teachers in the United Pentecostal Church International. James Merrick has put together a powerful end-time prophecy series that we're making available for download on our website. Brother Merrick is a powerful preacher and minister of the gospel with over 40 years of active ministry experience. You'll be blessed by his insight into the scriptures and I know this resource is going to be a valuable addition to your apostolic library. Find out more by going to ministrymentorship.com com and clicking on the products link. Now let's return to our interview with Pastor Steve Waldron. You know, and and you're you're very passionate about this, and and it shows up not just you know in in theory, but but you're also putting this into practice in your churches. I mean, you've got a growing church, and and you're very involved in evangelism, and and and. Talk about how we bridge that gap between knowing we've got something great and having the desire to really spread that message in, in evangelism.
1: Well, I tell you, one thing we did while we were at IBC in an effort to make it practical is we uh, started what's known as Reality Week. So we would shut the Bible school down for a week. We would divide Indianapolis up into uh, districts and the uh, school up into teams. And we would do event. We'd just do old fashioned door knocking. We'd do street meetings. We'd do block party on a Saturday. And it was all in an effort to get people with a hands on feel. That's really, you know, I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life at Indiana Bible College. I had been there, I've been associated with it about 10 years now. I've been there full time for three years, but I could tell. I, I, I told Brother me." I said, man, I just got to get back out in the field. Mm. I, I can't just tell theory. I've got to see this theory because when you divorce theory from experience, that's when error creeps in. People come mm. up with all these goofy ideas that. Well, we don't want to run anybody off because we worship too much. No, you rebuild the tabernacle of David. That's how the Gentiles are going to know to come to, mm, you yeah. know, the, in the tabernacle of worship and all this. So it's people in ivory towers that, that are not on the ground that come up with this fear. So you, and so much of my apologetics came from just starting a church at twenty-eight, dealing with young people before that, and I was an extremely you know, I had uh, Robbie Zacharias not far from me, Andy Stanley not far from me, Charles Stanley not far from me, huge mega churches. You know, take a left up the street, and it's uh, the church we're casting crowns is out of. And, you know, I'm just surrounded with denominational, and they're teaching classes on us that we're at these mm. <laughs> Yeah. Churches. So I, I better need to know how to share that uh, what we've got is really – Apostolic truth. So, uh, evangelism, the five great commission scriptures, uh, is something Jesus commanded us to do. billion in all the world. I mean, it's the most awesome thing in all in, in all the world. And I would say we're very aggressive in, in outreach, uh, but not to the point of running people off and all this. But we are out. I mean, we're at Walmart's so, uh, passing out tracks and. Uh, telling people about Jesus and encouraging people. We, we try at our church to always have opportunity. We've got a family and friends day coming up the week before Easter to where people can bring their friends. There's always a time and a place. But I will for evangelists, I will say young people struggle with this the most because they, as apostolic young people, unless they're in a Christian school or homeschool, if they're going to a public school, the horrors of most public schools, I can't speak for them, most, you know, the uh, as uh, George Washington said in his farewell speech, the, the divorcing of, of morals from religion is a very dangerous thing. He mm-hmm. seemed to be, looking back to Kant in that, with the categorical imperative that Immanuel uh, Cobb had, that uh, much of that speech dealt with many things from Europe, as a matter of fact. But... And so our young people are just so intimidated by the tsunami of worldliness and homosexuality. Oh, my Lord, what a big thing that is, you know, uh, to young people especially, that if you can encourage them that you've got the greatest thing in all the world, the most awesome thing in all the world, and give them the reason why that— uh, Young people have a have a dramatic impact on evangelism because most people see young people not living for God. they see young people living for God. It makes people of all ages uh, turn their head. Give you a yeah. quick example for the Pap. We do a book trip every year at IBC up to Grand Rapids to the, it's the largest used uh, Christian bookstore in America, Baker Bookhouse. And they've gotten to meet a lot of new people, the owners of Baker and the guy who pastored Spurgeon's Old Church and all this. A lot of neat things there. But I had a guy pull me aside just a couple of years ago. I said, are you with this group? I said, yeah. He handed me a wad of cash. It <laughs> mm, was <wow. laughs> a good wad of cash. He said, I want you to distribute that to some of the students you feel that need He said, I've never. He said, I didn't think young people like this existed on planet
0: Earth. Mm.
1: He said, I just want to help them. You know, he's not apostolic anything. anything. You know, because I asked him what he was. I don't think he had the Holy Ghost. and He just said, you know, I've got to be a part of this. So, you know, evangelism is important. We can't get pride what we've got. And, of course, there'll be obstacles. Of course, you'll confront modern culture. But uh, we can't blend to modern culture. We've got to let the power of the Holy Ghost transform lives. It still works. Acts 2.38 still works.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: When we realize God wants people saved worse than we do, you know, we're all nervous about it and all this witnessing. Man, God's <laughs> yeah. already been beaten with them.
0: Yeah, right.
1: God wants them saved worse. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, which he was, I'll draw all, all. Yeah, that's amazing. So he's already pulling.
0: That's a great point. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. You know, Brother Walden, I want to talk just for a minute. Uh, something you had mentioned earlier about about working in uh, the book distributing company uh, that you you were working in that in that arena. And sometimes I think as young people, you know, you mentioned it was like twelve years. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes I think as young people, we look at time and we have a very we have a we see these mountain peak experiences and we think, well you know this is going to happen, this is going to happen and this is going to happen but we never really see those 12-year periods where we may be working in a job or working in a position that may in a sense be preparing us for the next step and how do we keep a right mindset we're in that when we are in that uh, that that 12-year bracket? well I'll tell you you know my pastor used to preach a great
1: message but Atlantictic well, Called the School of Solitude. And he was open with Moses on the backside of the desert. And he had gone through all the training, and as uh, Josephus and Stephen reinforces, that uh, he was eloquent, learned in all the knowledge of the Egyptians. But he went through a 40 year school of solitude that formed him, made his character. As you go through the Word of God, that just seems to be par for the course, Brother Tappy. I mean, Abraham gets the promise at seventy-five. The promise doesn't come till a hundred. And uh, Joseph, you know, I'm having dreams. Yeah, and you're going to be a slave, and you're going to mm. be a prisoner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're in the desert. And even Paul had that. You know, I speak like Paul. There's debate on how long it was, but a lot of people would say it was about a nine-year time from the time he left Damascus and went back to Tarsus uh, before. Acts uh, 11, where Barnabas goes and gets him, this formative time, this time where God makes you and molds you. You can't be a good leader till you've been a good follower. Jesus said, if you haven't been faithful in that which is another man, who's going to give you that which is your own? And also, uh, you could not be in the priesthood, different uh, ministries till you were either 25 or 30, and what you were doing, and then at 50, you actually went to another realm of ministry to teach the other priest how to keep the charge, what to do, here's what's going to happen, here's how you do this, and sometimes I don't think we have quite enough of that in the ministry. The Lord also used to teach about the uh, oxen. You know, he said, whenever you yoked a, a team of oxen, you always put an old oxen With the young ox. He said because the young ox is going to be over there and he's going to rub his neck raw trying to get out of that yoke. He said but the old ox is just going to say keep your head down. Hmm. Go in a straight line and go to the end of this row. Look at the pole at the end and hit the end of this row and eventually the young ox catches on. That's what you do. Young people are full of ideas and expression we need that vitality but at the same time you know we need that over 50 generations and here's how you keep the charge another thing that the happened having been through some different schooling and uh was enrolled in a phd program of uh, christian philosophy and archaeology from the university of canterbury and uk endorsed by them and uh Sitting in those classes, you realize, and then studying ancient history, Sumerian, Akkadian, uh, Babylonian, Assyriology, and all of this, um, you realize human nature has always been the same. And Mm -hmm. so the things that we are dealing with now, while the vehicles may be different with advanced technologies, we're still just dealing with human nature. If you read Plato, Chapter Aristotle, and Ximenes, and and Ximenes, whoever, Sales, You're going, and You're going to see that the, the questions they were asking are the same questions being asked today, and oh. we're no closer to a solution outside of the apostolic message, outside of the plan God through Jesus Christ has supplied for us. Hmm. And so we're able to tell young people, you know, okay, we weren't idiots for not reaching the world, and all of this. There's battles. Fights, there's, uh but we can pass the baton to you in full stride, so you might can finish this race uh, better. And let us let us teach you things we may have failed in. Let us give you some advance notice for some tricks of the devil. Paul said we're not ignorant of his devices talking right. about the devil, and uh, you know. So these are all concepts of. Uh, priesthood a certain age, priesthood telling others at 50 to how to keep the charge and all this, that uh, can be brought into modern-day ministry.
0: Brother Waldron, talk to us a little bit about uh, transition in ministry. And you just, about four years ago, I think you had mentioned that you had gone from uh, teaching full-time at IBC to pastoring, and, and you talked a little bit about you know, that maybe that restless feeling you had, feeling like you needed to be, you know, feet on the ground in the local church. Talk to us about hearing and knowing the voice of God and how we can manage those transitions in
1: life. Well, Brother Kathy, that is one of the most important things you can do is to know. You know, Acts 13, uh, many people were there praying of all nationalities, but only separate paul and barnabas not everybody was supposed to leave there just paul and barnabas at that time Hmm. so hearing the voice of god and uh knowing what god wants out of your life is very important jesus said my sheep know my voice um now always check with your spiritual authority your pastor or the man of god in your life and uh let it be confirmed with them, obviously. Amen. Um, but prayer, fasting, seeking the Lord, and so often, you know, God wants us in places that we are uncomfortable in. See, so many people desire to be in a comfort zone in ministry and use these uh, Briggs. Uh, tests and all of this, personality tests, and all those serve their place. They serve a purpose. But sometimes God will get you out of your comfort zone so you'll trust totally in God. So, you know, God may say, well, I want you to do this, and you're like, well, God, that's not my giftedness, and you're the one that created me. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I just want you to experience this.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, again, my pastor, he was so good. He used to tell me, even like on the terrible experiences in life, like cancer, he would say, you know, when when you're down, just pick something up, learn, always fail forward. So he'd, speak, but he'd say like cancer, so to speak, and I know that's not a failure, but uh, he would say, sometimes God just lets somebody go through cancer because when they go through it, they go through the Valley of Baca, they dig a well, the Valley of Tears, Baca, the Valley of Tears, they dig a well. They'll always be able to help. God will bring people into their life constantly that are going through a similar thing or the same thing. And you'll be able to say, I went through that. God kept me through that. God can keep you through that. And uh, so the voice of God is not always comfortable. (laughs) A lot of times, it's that leap of faith. I know Seren Kierkegaard is the leap of faith in a certain way that we don't really use it. But I mean, it's like, I will abandon it all for the sake of the call. Mm. And, uh, and it may not be, and it's not always the most money. <laughs> it's not yeah. always, right. Uh, you know, poor sister Voga, her husband died and, uh, you know, left her with something that, uh, she, as many times, was at benevolence of others, but I think if she would look back over her life, I doubt they'd have done anything differently. They, they just gave everything to the call of yeah. God. And I, I do believe in planning. I know there's this divine tension and balance there, there's in most things. But um, So it's not always going to be comfortable, but it will always be the will of God. It will always be a learning experience. It will always be something that uh, God can use in your life. And if we trust in God, sometimes when we're weak, then are we strong that uh, you know, God will do great great things in our life. We do need, I will tell you this, Brother Kathy, we need less uh, flesh and ambition and ministry, a whole lot more of Jesus and seeking the face of God. I know that sounds obvious and everybody knows that, but it uh, it just really is a truism. We just need to say, okay, God, what do you want out of my life? Everybody will do what God wants. I believe everybody was created with a purpose. And if we will do and function in God's purpose, tremendous things will happen. What is it Brother Mooney always says? Young people, never try to plan your life, because if you plan it, you'll always underplan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let God plan your life. Amen. He'll blow your mind.
0: Amen. That is so true. That is so true. Brother Waldron, is there any advice that you would give to a young minister? And we've already been talking. There's some great stuff, and I I really appreciate your insight into this. But is there anything else, that, any advice that you would feel like would be important to a young person that feels a call to ministry?
1: Well, uh, first of all, I would say that no service is too small. Uh, One of the things that helped me at Bible school, is uh, when some of the big names, so to speak, didn't want to go to nursing homes. Man, I went to nursing homes. Uh, when they didn't want to go to the little home missions church downtown of 28, that's where I was. Mm. <laughs> I preached wherever. Yeah. So never. And one of the things I, I greatly appreciated about Brother Urshan, NA Urshan. He came and spoke for us, and we became good friends when I was pastoring up in McDonough. And uh, it didn't matter if your church ran five people. If you invited him to do an anniversary service in the storefront with five people, if it was on the calendar, he was there.
0: He was there. That's true.
1: He did not care about these things. So no task is too menial you're not too good to scrub toilets or to dig ditches or to take care of the track rack, you know? And if you do little things, Jesus said, man, if we're faithful in little, he will give us much. And, uh, you know, I've been touched by, um, my superintendent, former superintendent, brother Cole, saw him with a son with a horrific learning disability People said, you can't build a church, but he just, he always, he drove a little car, lived in a little house, get everything for the work of God, uh, and, and God ended up giving him a paid-for, multi-million-dollar church on the main highway right outside the city of Atlanta for the French wow. pastors. Now, um, it's French, and, you know, uh, Brother Moon, another great example that a lot of people don't realize that it, uh. Where he he comes from. I mean, he swept the floors at Michigan camp after the services. He would uh, serve the food in the cafeteria. It's just who he was. He didn't do it to be seen. That's just what he... Uh, I've heard him say this. A lot of struggling evangelists. He'll say, I'll tell you what you do. Go to camp meeting, and you start taking out the garbage and sweeping the floors in the kitchen, yeah. and uh, tell them you'll vacuum afterwards. He said, trust me. Pastors are going to notice. They're mm-hmm. going to start asking you uh, to get meetings and that type thing. We've got to be servants. So that would be one piece of advice. I'd get my prayer life, my Bible reading life. I would never let a spirit of scorning come in me. We can scorn. I've done it. I'm guilty of it. My 20s, I've scorned my elders. <laughs> you know, we could do this. Oh, it's so obvious. Having never pastored, never done anything, it all looks so obvious. Well, once you step through the veil of actually pastoring, it's like, oh, that's why they did that. Oh, now <laughs> yeah. I understand. Right. And uh, so never get into the habit of scorning and uh, get your prayer life right, your devotional life right, and to totally sell out, totally give in to it. And uh, that would be my advice. And also, always be totally submitted to your pastor. I am fortunate in that I had great pastors in the ministry. It was a God thing. But even if you say, well, I don't, well, God still used Saul to form David's character.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: So it just doesn't matter. God, promotion cometh not from the east or the west or the south. Promotion cometh from the Lord. He raises up one, puts down another. God. God sees you. And it doesn't matter, Brother Taffy, who your dad was, how well-connected you are in the ministry and all that. If it's God's time to raise you up, like a Jerry Jones, a Wayne Hutley, you know, those guys that come from ministry families, so to speak, God will raise you up. It doesn't matter. Any of those other things don't matter.
0: Amen. That's great. Brother Waldron, are there any books or other resources that you would recommend for young ministers?
1: Well, a couple books, that basic books that help in Bible study would be Haley's Bible Handbook and Wilmington's Guide to the Bible, and then on uh, uh, Scripture and the authenticity of Scripture, things like Evidence that Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell, and then with just some of the philosophical things of the day, um, C.S. Lewis. Francis Schaefer, basically any books by them. Um, the thing with any of those, realize that they're not apostolic. And while they'll give you some good information, the Bible says unless you're born again of water and spirit, you can't enter in or see the kingdom of God. So don't just follow them cart block. As my pastor right. used to say, eat the food and spit out the sticks. Be as smart as a goose. Eat the food and spit out the
0: sticks. <laughs> so That's good.
1: Because I've actually seen some IBC students get so enamored with Norm Geisler and things like that. And it's like, well, hey, if they were so smart, they'd probably be saved, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> they'd, you know, they'd be going to heaven, you know. <laughs> so, so That's use great. them, but, uh, you know, again, use them. Hey, don't be in awe of any of these guys because being not far from Robbie Zacharias' trip, one of the, we, we, uh, saw a guy converted when I was in McDonough. He used to be an artist for Dungeons and Dragons. He was had no idea, he was an internationally known artist at the time. He had long black hair. And uh but my brother you knew, Oh yeah, I know him, you know. Sure, yeah. It, that's amazing. And uh but so he starts going to Robbie Zacharias' stuff. And uh, you know, all we almost lost him there. He later became the E P C minister. But uh you know, realize that in a sense these use what they say when it's true. Always hate every lie in a wicked way. I went to Moody Bible Institute. They always told us to pray when we read a book or went to any class. You know, God let us love your truth. Give us your truth out of this. Let us hate every lie in a wicked way, like the Bible says. Believe God it hears those prayers are done from the heart. And uh so, again, any of those books, any of those resources, just be very careful. And the flavor of the day, I mean, like Andy Stanley. Oh, Andy Stanley, let's worship at the altar of Andy Stanley. Well, hey, you got to realize Andy Stanley got that start. But when his dad asked a 1,000 people from his church, First Baptist Atlanta, to go start a church with Andy Stanley, and said, I will personally pay for six full-time staff people to be with well, I mean, you got to be almost brain-dead not to start a church like that. So it's not some massive model Andy Stanley's got, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, <laughs> right, right.
1: And uh, so, love Andy Stanley, you know, want him to go to heaven and all of this. But I'm just saying, sometimes we bow at the altar of the, of the uh, flavor of the wheat, but really, apostolic truth in the earth, it is transcultural, it is trans-chronological. It is for this hour. It gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And the apostolic church done right, hey, they're not seeing people raised from the dead, coming up out of wheelchairs, blind eyes open. They're not seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost at those churches. You just be as apostolic as you can be. And in the marketplace of ideas, it'll blow everything else out of the water. It did it in Ephesus. It did it in Corinth. And it'll do it here.
0: Amen. What an encouragement. And I, I really appreciate this, this time together, Brother Waldron, and thank you for yes, thank for you. speaking to our hearts. And I wonder, in closing, if you could just say a prayer over that young person right now that, that maybe something has just stuck out to them in this conversation That about doctrine or evangelism or, or staying true to the apostolic faith. Maybe maybe if you could just say a prayer over them.
1: Be happy to, Brother Kathy. God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you to touch every person that listens to this, oh God. And God, just give us a fervor. Give them a greater fervor for apostolic truth, oh God. Let that fervor burn out worldliness. Give them wisdom to understand the day they're living in. God, they're going through the greatest revolution since the Garden of Eden. And they are definitely a chosen generation. But God, you did not come by surprise to this moment in time, and you could have had anybody here, but you've got us here. You've got them here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, give them wisdom to know exactly what to do. God, give them firmness. Give them steadfastness in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let them realize that apostolic truth has your blessing on it, has your anointing on it, Great things happen. Bondages are broken. Chains are broken. God, people are set free, made free in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, raise them. Always give them direction. Give them a humble spirit, Lord Jesus Christ, to follow you, to follow others. Let them realize that anything that occurs, it's all because of you, Jesus. And this glorious gospel that you purchased, God, it's not about us. It's about you, Jesus. And God, let us, to see many sons and daughters born into glory. And let us, God, have a passion to train others that they may teach others also. God, in Jesus' mighty name, bless them, oh God. In Jesus' name we ask. Hallelujah. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Brother Waldron, thank you again for joining us today. It's been an honor to have you with us.
1: Only a pleasure. And thank you for allowing me, Brother have It's been great. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to a Ministry Mentorship podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com where you'll find more interviews and other resources to help you develop in your ministry.
1: Thanks for listening and God bless.